Hi, I'm Lee Taylor Mohammed, and welcome to Fast Enough Ramadan Running, brought to you by Sports Direct, a podcast all about running during the month of Ramadan. Over this series, I'm going to be talking to four members of the Muslim community about what it's like maintaining their fitness schedule whilst fasting and getting some top tips about how to ensure we're all looking after our minds and bodies over this month. This podcast is the perfect accompaniment if you're just setting out on an early evening run or heading to the gym. So as the sun goes down, lace those trainers up. Fast enough. Ramazan running. For the final show in this series, I'm speaking to Zoha Rahman, actress, fitness fanatic and one of the stars of Spider-Man Far From Home, the first Muslim actor to be cast in a Marvel film. Zoha, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Thank hello. you so much for having me. No, well, thank you for being here. This is uh, very awesome. It's not too often that we have Hollywood superstars <laughs> on Ramadan Running, and we certainly have saved the best for last. Oh, I shouldn't really say that, but it is what it is. We've got a Hollywood star in the building, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, you know, before we get into your life, your career, and your fitness regime, which I hear is very intense, let's start with Ramadan. What does Ramadan look like for you? Because it's different for all Muslims all around the world. Are you very traditional in the way you observe it? Or, you know, do you um, uh, do you do some different stuff? Tell us all about your Ramadan experience. So for me, it's changed over the years. So I grew up in Pakistan. It was very traditional when I was in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. We used to have the, you know, whole family sitting together for suhoor, grumpy in the morning. Oh, nice. Um, and we used to have the prayer sound. But obviously moving to England, it's been different because we don't have the azan. We don't have as much family time as we'd like to. Mm-hmm. And since I've moved out and I'm now living on my own and my routine is so hectic, it's almost sadly Ramzan is more of an adjustment mm. as opposed to a wholehearted, you know, timeline. Yeah. Which it used to be. So now I find myself planning things around work as opposed to the other way around. Yes. You know, originally I would be like, okay, it's Ramzan. I'm not going to do this, 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 and this. But now it's like, okay, I have this, this, and this work or this is my schedule for the day so how can I fit Ramzan into it which is sad um, because I would like it to be the other way around but it's not as traditional as it used to be so I often find myself having suhoor alone or iftari alone and you know with the way that we work we work with all kinds of people and Mm. not everyone is as sensitive to the fact that you're fasting Mm. Um, I haven't had any awful experiences but it's just it's the environment changes when you're working in a Muslim country because everyone is in the same boat and everyone is fasting. Sometimes they even change the timing of, of the work. They'll start later because they know you, you you slept later or they'll finish you know earlier knowing that you have to go home for iftar. But we don't have that on sets and everything here. So it's an adjustment. That's very interesting. Just to expand on what you're talking about there, about in Muslim, predominantly Muslim countries. I have many friends in the UAE, for example. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they literally change the working hours. Yeah. So everything's open from the time it's breakfast time and it's all closed during the day. So everyone can sleep during the day, relax, and yeah. everything comes alive at night time. Mm-hmm. It is very strange kind of, I guess, being in, in the West, like you said, working on sets, working with non-Muslims who for no fault of our own, have no idea really what it's like to do such a long fast and how it can really affect your work as well. Do you feel like fasting has ever really affected your work? Have you been on set, been a bit tired and you just had to worry through it? So the first few weeks are okay mm-hmm. because I think I have leftover energy from all the food I've eaten the month before. Um, <laughs> but towards the end, it's it's hard Yeah, because 
especially if I'm talking on screen, I get really thirsty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like having water, like even right now, I'm like, oh, you know. Hey, I I'm thirsty water. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all thirsty. <laughs> and yes, it's not even water. Yes, not even and water. Not even water. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's so, like towards the end of Ramzan, it, it does get hard. Yeah. But then I also try to change it up with what I eat for Suhoor and try mm. to play around with it, see what gives me more energy, what gives me more longer lasting energy. Mm. But yeah, it's long days. Yes. Um, and like you said, with your friends in the UAE, that activities kind of shift to the nighttime. Like, it's the same in Pakistan. Yeah. It's after Aftari is when the malls open, the shops open. We go out and play volleyball with our cousins and wow. friends. And it's, you know, it's an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. And during the day, it's very chill and you're praying and you're sleeping and you're just honestly not doing much yeah and honestly that is the most comfortable way to do it and it's definitely a goal of mine to go to a country like the uae uh, or pakistan maybe for one ramadan just see what that experience so would be like to have you there. yeah it would be awesome having yeah. said that it's actually i find when i'm working my fast goes quicker because i'm distracted that is true whereas if you're chilling all day, sleeping, praying, you're kind of thinking about it. That yeah. Oh, I can't eat for another yeah. T minus I know, six I know, hours, I know, T minus. Yeah. Oh, still five hours left. Oh, my oh okay, still four hours left, you, you know. You can only watch Spider-Man on Netflix so many times <laughs> before it's like, this is kind of old now. Even I'm sick of seeing me. <laughs> What's next? But <laughs> thankfully, we're not sick of seeing you. We're getting close to the end of the month now. So Eid is coming up. Do you get excited mm. about Eid? I feel that's a really obvious question. How do you celebrate Eid is probably the best way to say Oh my it. gosh, I get... This year I'm even more excited yes. because I actually do get to spend it with my family here. I travel a lot for work, so sometimes I'm not in the same country. Mm. And this year I actually brought some goodies from Pakistan because I was there a few weeks ago filming oh. something, so... Oh, you shouldn't have. Thank <laughs> you so much. Just oh. wait till you see it. Oh. <laughs> I um. So I had an accidental day off. I don't have a lot of days off, but I my flight got canceled to London. So I had a day off and I was like, what am I going to do? So I went to the mall and I bought henna and I bought bangles for everyone. Oh, wow. And I'm really excited about Eid because yeah. I get to be the best auntie. Because <laughs> I, I brought so many goodies for my nephews and nieces. Wow. I'm going to win this Eve. But oh, yes, awesome. I, I get really excited to see. I have quite a bit of family here. I have cousins who have kids and my siblings are here. My parents are here. My in-laws are here. So it's really nice to celebrate with everyone. We usually have like a big lunch or dinner with family. So mm. we, we get up early in the morning. Uh, traditional uh, that the women pray at home and then we prepare savanya, which is vermicelli. Okay, um, yes, yes. In yes. milk. Oh, wow, that's interesting. And it's it's delicious. So we prepare that mm. while the men go to the mosque and pray. Sometimes we go to the mosque and pray as well, but there's a lot to do at home. Yeah. So the men go to the mosque and pray for Eid prayers, and then we all come back, and it's either at my in-law's house or my parents' house because they're the eldest. And then, yeah, everyone just starts eating, and it's, I swear to you, it is the most consistent hours of eating you've ever seen no one stops there's always food on the table and there's always someone chewing always oh my goodness it's a, just a non-stop feast non -stop. and rightly so that's how eid should be that's very interesting it's good to know that you're looking forward to a very traditional eid and i'm pretty sure you're already the cool auntie so now you're gonna be the extra cool one with all the bangles and all the uh, all the henna and all the amazing gifts but you're best known for your work as an actor. Mm. But what's interesting about you is that you studied law at university and you started to take work as a model and do some acting work whilst you were still studying. 
Now, how did your family react to that choice? Because I can imagine everything was all hunky dory. <laughs> She's a gonna be a lawyer, like a, you know, a very good Muslim young woman, perfect. And now you become a model and an actress. Did your family react strangely to that, or oh, were they cool? Oh God! Oh, oh. I mean, they're still reacting. Oh. I tell you that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Literally last week, my mom was like, "You could have been a better." <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, excuse me. Oh, wow. No, it was tough. Yeah. So the thing is, I actually really enjoyed what I studied. Yes. I went into law myself. I enjoyed what I studied. I went on to do half of an LLM in intellectual property law because I always was fascinated by, you know, uh, contracts. And I, I suppose it's because I was working part time as a model and as an mm. actor as well that I was so interested in like production company contracts and mm. music contracts and acting contracts and even things like tattoos and who actually owns it, the idea of a tattoo, right? So we studied things like this in oh, my master's and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But my heart has always been in the arts, mm. always. I When I was growing up, I was very into arts and crafts with like painting and drawing and like okay. I would make presents for people. Oh, that's awesome. I, like till I was probably like 17, I made things for my mom. It's a great way to save money. Yeah, <laughs> probably, yeah, probably why I started. Um, yeah, I would make like pencil holders and oh, like wow. makeup trays and like paper mache things. And I really enjoyed it. And alongside that, I was always in school plays. Okay. Always. So I have always really loved being on stage. My mother says that I never spoke in like real life yeah. ever. I was a like painfully ch shy child. To the point where if I went to a new school, the teacher would have to ask my mom, be like, does, does she talk? Or... <laughs> but as soon as there was a school play, I would be the first person there. Okay. And if I wasn't on stage, I would be like writing for the play that was going on. So I've always really enjoyed being someone else. So in a way, was the fact that you were shy and maybe didn't talk a lot, was being able to act in school plays your outlet and uh, all the arts in general or... Yeah. Was, what, yeah, I think I was conserving energy for when mm. I was on stage, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, so I've always really enjoyed things like photography and, you know, I've always been very into the arts. And so it was very natural for me to come to a point in my life where I had to pick between the two. Mm. Because even when I was at university, I joined the drama club and we were putting on productions. And I wrote two plays when I was at university and oh, wow. they got a really good reception. And I kind of fell into modeling. I had a friend who was a photographer, studying photography, asked me to model for him for his final year project. And I was like, oh, really? Why? And he was like, no, 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 honestly, just do. I just need someone. And I was like, okay, fine, thanks. Uh, I, he's like, I didn't pick you because you're pretty. I picked you because I need someone. And I have a week left because yeah, I procrastinated. Thanks for the confidence boost, man. Yeah, yeah. cheers. Like, yeah. Thanks, man. That probably put me at ease. I really enjoyed that. And so he had an exhibition for his work as part of his final project and an actual photographer really liked my pictures mm. and asked if I could model for him. Mm. So I worked with him and then I got a bit of confidence and I applied to a few agencies and I got a call back from one. And I was like, oh, awesome. I'm gonna make so much money on the side of mod on the side of studying. Um, if anyone knows, that's really not how it works. Um, <laughs> I was definitely poor. Um, <laughs> and I really excitedly went up to my parents and I was like, oh, I got this modeling agency wants to work with me and they just looked at me and were like, excuse me? Oh, why? <laughs> they were like, no. So it wasn't even a discussion. 
like, it wasn't even yeah that's that's just not what's it was happening. just a flat you're gonna become a lawyer it was a flat no like okay. focus on your studies yeah. like what are you doing oh and gosh. i was like oh okay but sad and dejected and like walked back up and then a few months later the same agency got back to me again and they were like hey we'd really like to hear back from you because we think you could do really well etc cetera, etc cetera. and i was like um okay let yeah. me get back to you on that <laughs> um then went back to my dad and like tried to like really ease into the conversation and like really like soften the blow and be okay. like dad i really want to do this and it's not going to interfere with my studies or anything i'm you know i'm going to manage my time really well uh, summer's coming up so i have a break yeah he no, said no not no, he said no. God, oh my goodness a few months after that they reached out to me again and this time I was like, I justified it to myself and I did it without asking them. Oh, wow. I joined the agency and I started modeling and I justified it to myself because I was like, look, I'm not doing anything inherently wrong. Mm -hmm. Like for me, posing in front of a camera is not something that's wrong. I am just basically a hanger for clothes <laughs> and a shelf for products. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not doing anything wrong. And if it comes to the point where I have to really think about oh, should I be doing this? Is this, you know, is this making me uh, rethink my decision? Then I'm going to say no. Yeah. How hard is it to say no to a job, you know? Yeah. So I justified it to myself. I modeled for about a year. Through that, I got some commercials and I had to, I call this my coming out story. I had to come out as an actor and a model to my parents <laughs> uh, because I filmed this commercial and it was, once it was finished filming, I went up to the director and I was like, oh, so, you know, when's it going to come out? And like, what channels? He named every single channel my dad watches. Oh, my goodness. All day. Oh, my goodness. And I just looked at him and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So then I had to go home. And luckily, this worked out really well, actually. This was a legal firm commercial. Okay. One of those, you know, pro bono and uh, do you need legal help? Okay. That one. So that was me. <laughs> Luckily, it was one of those, and I was studying law, so I kind of worked it in a way where I was like, oh, I did an internship at this firm, and they needed someone for the adverts, so I volunteered, um, and it's going to be potentially on TV, so don't freak out when you see me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I lied. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but I was, I was scared, so scared. I was like, they're going to be so mad. But no, it came out. And honestly, every time it came out, they would take their phones out and record it. Oh. And people in the community started recognizing me from that. And, you know, it was a really, it was great to see their reaction. But at the same time, I was like, I wish you were more supportive about this. Yeah. But they were really excited to see me every time I was on screen. Yeah. And then the director that I worked on, on that commercial with, mm -hmm. really liked me. And he asked me to audition for a film mm. that he was working on. So I auditioned for that and I got the lead in that. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. And I said yeah. that that was the beginning of my acting, professional acting yes, career. Yes, uh, an unorthodox, but yeah. we, got, we got there in the end. It's really good to know that your parents were proud of you in the end. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I completely understand why Asian Muslim parents discourage their children what, what, from what, going what, into creative. In your opinion, what, why is that? Look at our history. Mm -hmm. We've always been very disadvantaged. Yeah. Um, our parents have gone through so much to give us security, you mm -hmm. know, especially if they live in a Western society, right? Yeah. They have to work super hard. They have to be away from their hometown, their roots, their families, just to make sure that their children not only survive, but thrive because their generation survived, right? The next generation, they have given everything up mm. for us to thrive. Yes. 
for them, us going into the creative field is setting ourselves up for failure. And they don't want to do that, <laughs> yeah. right? They want their children to be happy, secure, and not have to think about finances or anything, right? Yeah. So for them, a traditional job like a lawyer or a doctor is what they've worked their whole lives for, yeah. you know? So they want to see their children be successful in the traditional sense. Absolutely. And for them to wrap their heads around something like being an influencer or being an actor as success it's a work in progress for them. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I understand where they come from. I think that's very well said. And I think that's the same for, I would say, pretty much most ethnic parents, I think, uh, especially from the older generation. You've got the Holy Trinity, so a doctor, lawyer, and engineer, yep. isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, you can be anything you want as yep. long as it's one of those three. Yeah. But it, it comes from a place of love. Absolutely. So that's, that's really positive. So moving forward to one of your most recent and more prominent roles, <laughs> shall we say, you was in Spider-Man Far From Home, mm -hmm. where you were the first Muslim actor to appear as a main character in a Marvel film. How did that make you feel? It was incredible. I, when I got the call, I don't think I fully understood what was happening. Yeah. It was, you know, I took it as, oh, I got the acting job. But the monumental change that was going to happen, I had an idea. And so when I got the job, I wasn't told that, you know, we want you to wear a hijab or anything at that point. Yeah. It was nothing. And then after I accepted it and I got the contract and everything, a week later, they called me and they were like, would you be open to doing it in a hijab? They were like, it's totally fine if not. And then I, I took a day to think about it. Yeah. And I said, yes, absolutely. Because like you said, you have never seen a visibly Muslim character who is in a neutral space on screen, yes. on mainstream. Yeah. TV or film. And to be able to do that, to be able to represent the women that I grew up with back home and here, like my friends, my family, my teachers, my doctors who wear the hijab, to be able to have my potential platform and be able to almost pay homage to their services and what they've meant to me in my life. Mm. It was a definite yes for me. That is so interesting. And it was monumental. It was a huge moment. I remember being in the cinema watching it. And when your scene came on the screen, it was like, oh, wow. It, it really stood out. Yeah. And it's, it was something that I wasn't expecting at all. And I think the unfortunate perception that we've had when we see Muslims on screen, certainly in the last uh, 20 years, more often than not, if they are wearing uh, something traditionally Muslim attire, it's usually a, quite a negative perception like they're a terrorist or you know it's, it's or a terrorist wife exactly exactly it's it's, it's, it's yeah <laughs> exactly it's, yeah. It's, it's it's never anything good so to see you like you said in a completely neutral film mm. a marvel film of all films but and not just any marvel film spider-man and you were uh because he was on it was was it he was on the bus wasn't you and you're just with uh, well i'm in the whole movie yeah, so yeah, you but, see me in bits and bobs so i'm I on mean, a bus i'm on a boat i'm walking around but i think the first time you came on the screen you was on a was it on the bus or no the first it? time would be on the plane oh, was it on the plane when Excuse we're me, going was, to your yeah yeah, I remember it was something traveling. Um, uh, so yeah, and it was just like, wow, that really stood out. So it was awesome. And what's interesting about you is that wearing the hijab, that's not necessarily everyday attire no, for you. No. And for many uh, Muslim women, that's the case. You spoke about wanting to represent the people you grew up with, people like your doctors and uh, so on. And that was really obviously important to you. When you're going through that thought process, did you 
realize how huge this could be and what a big moment this could be around the world or was you did you feel it <laughs> i i felt yeah, it so yeah. when i made so like i said i took a day yeah to make that decision yeah even though i knew it was going to be big i think it only hit me after the paparazzi pictures came out yeah the grand scale of it and it was i it was a process for me because yes i definitely said yes to it as a character and then i realized when i was on set that no this was more than a character because i really had to work on zoha the character because she's also called no they like my name so they stole yeah. my name um <laughs> it's a good name <laughs> yeah i mean i think i was named something else and i walked on set and they were like do you mind if we and i was like no it's, it's fine yeah. go for it so it's zoha it's as zoha um i really had to work on zoha because well they firstly didn't know how to tie a hijab so i had to teach them how to do that then we worked on the wardrobe together which was insane to me this oscar winning wardrobe team yeah multiple oscar winning wardrobe team and i'm telling them no yeah <laughs> this is how we're going to do it yeah and i mean kudos to that team as well for allowing me to be part of the process and mm. to basically make a teamwork more than yeah. anything and to appreciate my understanding of my culture and appreciating it as opposed to treating it like a costume. Yes. Which was the most important thing to me. I didn't want it to be a costume. Yeah. You know, I, because we've seen hijabs on screen where the hijabs tied really badly or it just looks awful or, you know, they're wearing a hijab but then it's like the rest of your dress is not modest or etc etc etc. It looks like fancy dress. Uh exactly, it looks like a costume. Mm-hmm. So for me to be able to bring that into it was really great where, you know, if I was wearing a dress, I would say, "Can we please have the sleeves longer or if i was wearing a long dress i would ask for tights underneath because i was like well ideally my ankles shouldn't be showing and that's not to say that that's how muslim women should dress muslim women should dress how they want to and how exactly. they feel but i that was my understanding of how someone who wears a hijab should dress and yeah so it was it became bigger and bigger for me as i brought the character to life her mannerisms were different to mine personally which is something that actors go through with every character i think one of the biggest moments for me was when we were shooting this airplane scene at uh, so we borrowed stansted airport um, <laughs> as you do <laughs> as you do and obviously security was really heavy and one of the security guards was doing the rounds and she herself was a hijabi and she came up to me because oh, wow. i wore the hijab on set and she came up to me and she was like are you actually muslim and i was like alhamdulillah yes <laughs> Um and she was like no I'm just I've never seen you know because she was she 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 was almost at a loss for words she was yeah. like this is a very big movie set and I was really surprised to see someone in a hijab and wow. are you an actor and I was like yeah yeah I'm in the movie and she was like wow. oh that's that's amazing and you're actually muslim and I was like yeah wow. and she had tears in her eyes because wow. she caught cake the conversation came to a point where she was like well I am very proud of the hijab that I wear and my daughters have also started wearing it but I fear that they don't have good enough role models. Yes. And to see you on a set this big and I hope to see like a big chunk of you in the movie but I know that my daughters will be so excited to see you. And forget my daughters, I'm so excited to see you here and I'm so proud of you as a Muslim woman to a Muslim woman. and i like i i went into my trailer and i had a moment with myself i was like yeah, <sighs> yeah. wow wow one person and that one person is representative of probably millions yeah. around the world because yeah. 
It was it yeah, really stood out. Crazy. And, um, and then the paparazzi p- pictures came out yes. and that's when it really blew up. I think Tom put me on a story and people were like, "Wait, did Tom just put up a hijabi on his yeah. <laughs> story?" And then it just kind of took off from there. Wow. Do you feel that Muslim actors and actresses face a disadvantage in the film industry? Absolutely. As a Muslim actor myself, yes. I find it very difficult to get good auditions in the first place. So what we said earlier where we only see Muslim characters as negative Sadly. or owning a negative space or Sadly. you know being stereotyped more than anything, I still feel that. So yes, I have a really like I've been blessed to have this amazing role in Spider-Man where I I occupy a very neutral space where I'm just a student having fun on yes. a school trip with my friends. Um and there's no storyline about why she Muslim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or no backstory or no reason for me to be opposed to my religion yeah. and want to rip my hijab off or anything. Yeah. But unfortunately, I've also done roles where I'm the terrorist's wife's friend. You know, so those those auditions still come through. And in the infancy of your career, you don't want to say no to, to, to too many things. But if you keep getting things you want to say no to, yeah. you're almost stuck. Yes. So yes, I think, unfortunately, Muslim actors are first seen as Muslim or as brown or as colored before they're seen as actors. Mm. So unless there's a particular role that fits their ethnicity, they will not be approached because they're not neutral. You see what I mean? Yes. So there has to be a character written into the script that is a Muslim woman for me to get that yes. audition in the first place. I see. I will never be approached for just a character, just yeah. a girl who is a writer and has escaped to the french countryside to write i won't get that because i'm not the neutral they're looking for but within that storyline if there is a girl that this character meets who happens to be muslim woman in france who makes the main character question her beliefs of islam etc yes of course i'm going to get the call yeah. you see what i mean i completely understand so yes we do i think we still struggle i think there's a long 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 way to go okay and we're getting there very yeah. slowly. We are getting there. There's, you know, more mainstream production houses and stories that are making a slow difference. Mm-hmm. The main thing, personally, for me, is we need more story writers. So we need more people behind the screen, behind the camera, that are ethnically diverse to be able to write those stories, to have a better grip and a better understanding of our lives. Yes. And so to write stories that are not stereotypes and that yeah. are not going to put us in a box. I see. So once we have better stories, we will have better scripts for us, better opportunities for us to audition for characters that we actually relate to and that people relate to in general. Does that inspire you to perhaps be one of the trailblazers to fill that void? Obviously, you were successful writing plays whilst you were at university is that something that you have your eye on in the future like hey maybe i could write these scripts and create roles for myself or for others so that are non-stereotypical and are more just fun neutral yeah yeah Yeah? absolutely i i almost feel like i could take inspiration from my own life and write something yeah i would love to writing is a skill and I'm currently taking a script writing class to be able to write mm. better in the hopes that something that I can write will resonate better with audiences. So yeah, I hope to be able to do something. I mean, Ray, Rami did that. 
Michaela called it that. Of course. You know, so sometimes you have to make the thing that you want to be a part of. Literally. Sometimes you have to create the opportunity instead of waiting for the opportunity. I would say yes, 100%, 100%. I certainly will be looking forward to <laughs> seeing that on the big screen. So um, We'll please. cast you, don't worry. Uh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this you know. podcast will be a very special episode. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. We have uh, a podcast and a casting at the same time. Um, maybe the martial arts guy. I'm, 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 I'm okay being that stereotype. <laughs> I, I know my lane, I know my lane. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of this series has been about athletes balancing their training with the traditions of Ramadan. You spoke earlier about how fasting whilst being on set especially a non-Muslim set, let's just say mm -hmm. that, can be difficult. I wonder if you can maybe expand on that a little bit more and talk about your fitness and your exercise regimes, because I know you're a big fitness fanatic as well. How do you fit that in during Ramadan when you're on set? How do you balance all of those things together? So again, it's an adjustment, yes. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I love working out first thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it just fits into my routine really well because I just don't know how my day is going to go. So if I leave it for later, I'm never going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so over the years, I've realized that if I'm actually going to push myself, it has to be first thing. I get up, get into my sports gear, and I work out whether it's for 15 minutes, whether it's for 45 minutes, whether it's a session with my personal trainer, whether it's at home. It has to be first thing for me. Yes. That's just how my body works. And that is very difficult for me in Ramzan mm. because... Sorry, because <laughs> for those who couldn't hear, uh, my stomach just crumbled. <laughs> it's all good. I love this. I love this so much. Um, this is so authentic. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, so <laughs> whatever it is, it has to be first thing for me. With Ramzan, it's very difficult because obviously you wake up for suhoor. Nowadays, it's around 3.30 yes. that I, I finish eating. And then by the time I pray at 3.45. So... After that, I go to sleep at maybe, well, I get into bed at four, probably fall asleep 4.30, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to get up again to start your actual day at around, well, it depends what time you're due on set, but could be 7, 7.30. So in that space, it's very difficult to work out then because I know I cannot eat after. Of course. I cannot have breakfast after that. I cannot have a protein shake or anything, right? Yeah. So that's an adjustment for me that I end up working out after iftar. But I end up stuffing myself for iftar, so I can't work out straight away. Yes, of course. So I have to have a very controlled iftar portion and then work out and then have a proper dinner. Okay. So for me, it's now shifted to the evening. Yes. The other thing I do is I don't do high intensity anymore, yeah. which is something I love. I know it's literally called Ramzan running, but yes. I don't run in Ramzan. Yeah. Because for my body, I'm very anemic, so mm -hmm. it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. very common yeah. in uh, South Asian women. And um, even though I take like iron tablets and everything, I'm very heavily anemic. So if I run, I get very lightheaded in general anyway. But if I do it in Ramzan, where I'm already eating a lot less, I will pass out. Yeah, and nobody wants to see that. No, 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 no. So I actually cut back on running, and I allow myself to focus on other things that are good for me. So I focus on the mental health aspect of Ramzan because Ramzan really take allows you to take a step back. Absolutely. And just refocus. Yeah. So I focus more on that. So I will meditate. I will do Pilates. I will do yoga. I will do low intensity training. But I I really cut back on the on the head and the running because it just doesn't work for my body. Yeah. For some people, it works really well, actually, that you're fasting and you do hit. 
and run and it just works wonders for their bodies but yeah. for me i can't handle it so it really changes the way things are i also take a break from my personal trainer yeah yeah okay. <laughs> he hates me and he's always like why are you doing this and i'm like please just let me be yeah, yeah. just i take a really nice it, break in ramzan actually what does some of that low intensity training look like out of interest so it would be a lot of weights okay yeah okay but nice. again like like nothing too heavy mm-hmm. i really stick to a comfort zone and i know what that comfort zone is so i don't push it too much yeah and then like i said pilates again really like slow down the movements yes as long as i'm moving every single day i know it's good for me but i don't push myself too much because there's so many other things happening at the yeah. same time right absolutely no i think that's very sensible and honestly i think that kind of philosophy when it comes to exercise doing something is better than doing nothing and that's tr- that's true in ramadan and outside of ramadan as well and we've had a lot of people messaging in saying that they like to try and go for just a light walk before mm-hmm. iftar get yes. themselves nice and ready then come back to a feast and even going on a walk for 5 minutes 10 minutes doing some low intensity mm-hmm. workouts in your living room mm-hmm. it's just so good to keep your body active Absolutely. and but it's very important at the same time not to push yourself past a level where you will be passing out especially if you're anemic so yeah, please uh, please we don't, we don't want that please um, yeah walking is great i is. go for hours sometimes like over the weekend i went for i was too long actually two and a half hour walk in norfolk and it was absolutely beautiful wow with walking it's You put on a podcast. Yes. Just to plug there. Exactly. Uh, a Ramadan run in if you uh if you if you want some suggestions. Interested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you can just walk and walk and walk and it's yeah. it's one of those things that even if you're not listening to a podcast, you can listen to the Quran. Yes. Because you don't have to be sitting and reading it. You can actually listen to it. Exactly. And there's some really beautiful recitations. Oh my goodness. Online. Yeah. And it kind of puts two things together, right? Two mm. birds, one stone. Yes. Um where you can be mindful but also get some exercise. Exactly. So exactly. I really like walking as well. I think that's a, a fantastic combination and uh get some good walking shoes from Sports Direct. From Sports Direct, of course. Of course. There's only one <laughs> uh, supplier in no, all the nation the where you can get the uh in the, world. the the very best. If you want the best of the best. Finally. <laughs> Zohar, let's talk about the question that we've asked all our guests that's come on a Ramadan running. Who would be your ideal dinner guest for the iftar? And you can pick anyone in the world. You can pick any number of people. Oh, I can pick any number of people? Yes, of course, of course. Oh. This is this is this is an iftar. This is a feast. Yeah. You can't just have one person. Now I'm thinking if I have enough food for everyone. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's assume that you have unlimited food. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, a catering service as well. Ooh. <laughs> okay, let's stop, stop talking about food. Um I would Wow, this is I love this question, but it's also very difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as difficult when people say, "Tell me about yourself." Yeah. And then I blank out. I'm like, yeah. "Who am I?" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Next podcast we're going to ask that question, but you know, okay. just if that gets I- I'm going to prep I'm going to prep that from now. <laughs> I would love to have some people that I really look up to in the acting world. I would love to have Riz Ahmed. Wow, yeah. I would love to have Mahershala Ali. Yes, wow. I'm such a big fan. He's cool. And he's, he's doing super cool. so well. He like yeah. every time I see him in the news I'm like, yes. Um yes. so those two people because they inspire me so much. Um and I think I can really borrow from their journeys. Mm. I mean, I hope so. In other aspects I'm really inspired by Malala Yousafzai because she's one of the most fascinating 
women I have ever read about and the work that she does for not just our community, but for the world mm -hmm. and the education of girls and everything is so fascinating to me. And I would love to be able to help out in any way in that sphere. Yeah. And just to talk to her about how she does things and how she decides that this is my next step and yes. just all around an amazing person. And I'd love to have my grandmother. Oh. Because I would love to just sit with her and hear about her life story because she was an incredible woman and she passed away recently but i didn't get to spend a lot of time with her when i was growing up so Aww. i'd love to have her yes because i feel like when when someone is you know when you don't have access to someone is when the questions start coming like oh I, why didn't i ask her that you know Aww. so those things so yeah. now i have a list of questions yes. so it'd be great to see her again <laughs> <Be> like <laughs> oh my um, goodness so those would be my four Yes, that was four. Should I have another one? Yeah, it's, it's your ifta. Yeah, I didn't uh, hear no, you no, no. Let's just let's let's no, stick to we're, that. We're not gonna have Spider Man swinging in. No, no I see him all the time. No, yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> another light flex, you know. You know, yeah. That's that's all good. That's all good. Well, no, I think that's a wonderful lineup for the ifta. And I'm actually kind of sad to say that that's the end of our conversation today, oh, no. Zohar. And even sadder, that's the end of this series. This was the final show of Fast Enough Ramadan Running, and I've enjoyed it immensely. We've had wonderful guests, and you've been a wonderful guest today as well, Zohar. And um, for you listeners at home, thank you so much uh, for listening. This has been a wonderful series. Make sure you check out the other episodes in this series. They are all available online. And make sure you click and subscribe or follow wherever it is you're listening to the show. Also, you can follow Sports Direct on Instagram on at Sports Direct UK and on TikTok at Sports Direct for more great tips and insight into training during Ramadan. See you again. Fast enough. Fast enough. Fast enough. Ramadan running.